Hello, and welcome to the Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate, news, and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence. Hosted by food logistics and supply and demand chain executive, we cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability impacting today's supply chains. I'm Brielle Jekyll, Associate Editor of Food Logistics and SDCE, and today we are discussing a topic that's on everyone's minds lately due to the COVID pandemic, and that is hygiene. So Jim Lang, Manufacturing Excellence Director at Essity North America, it joins us today to discuss hygiene in the supply chain. Now, Essity is a global hygiene company that owns the brand Torque, which offers products and services in this sector. And Torque recently published guidelines on site safety, revealing some best practices that may have been lesser known, uh, like the importance of cleaning first and then disinfecting. So let's link into that conversation now. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Jim Lang, who is the Manufacturing Excellence Director and or, and Safety Director um, at Essity. Hi, Jim. Thank you for coming on today. Hi. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, and we're going to talk a little bit about hygiene practices in the workplace um, because you think a lot of it in terms of hygiene and stuff for yourself, you know, like washing your hands, um, you know, keeping your sneezes to yourself, but you don't think of the man equipment or the, um, the equipment as much in terms of hygiene. So I'm really interested to dive into that a little bit. Um, So first, I just want to ask, in the supply chain, how is it possible to keep employees safe through these um, best practices in terms of hygiene in regards to equipment specifically? Yeah, I mean, in terms of of health and safety of our employees, the the, the overarching approach is if if we can't do it safely or if, if, if... if we can't protect people's health, then we don't do it, or we find a way, you know, we find a way to, uh, to overcome the risk. Um, and then the, the kind of pandemic gave us a very different kind of challenge, but it's a very similar approach. So uh, it's about uh, giving employees the right knowledge and the right tools, basically, to be able to to be able to operate safely, and and with this pandemic situation, be able to prevent them maybe contracting the virus or spreading the virus within the, within the workplace. Um, and so obviously um, we are a, a hygiene and health solutions company. So we do have, we do have expertise on that, but maybe we weren't applying all of those tools to the, to the operation uh, and the operating floor uh, in, in this respect. So you'll kind of see the, you'll, you'll kind of see the dispensers and the disinfectant and the soaps in the, in the bathrooms and so on. But then when you move out into the workplace, um, uh, there was this less need in the past for that kind of thing. So, so I think what we've, what we've done differently, obviously is, is look at where, uh, the placement of disinfectant and, and, uh, hand cleaning stations, uh, can basically encourage people to maintain the hygiene at a higher level, basically, than, than, than they were in the past or they, or, they, or they would do in the normal operation. And then the other challenge is the number of common touch points that we have on the shop floor. So if you think about shared workstations, keyboards, computers, um, operating terminals on the, on the equipment itself, push buttons, 
doorways, um, safety guards that you sometimes have to open on a, on a production line. Um, these are all common touch points and they're being touched by several people uh, during the, or they could be touched by several people during the course of a shift. Um, so we've had to think about how we uh, protect employees from, from that risk of, uh, so, so on the one hand, you've got the, the hand hygiene, which is the, the, the primarily uh, what, we, what we encourage and what we, what we try and coach people on and put, this, put the, the, uh, the cleaning stations in the right places. But then there's the, uh, the cleaning of the equipment and the disinfecting of the equipment in between shifts. And, and, um, and, and that we had to take to a, to a higher level, uh, basically, than, than, we, than we had in the past. Right. It, it's interesting because you never really thought about this kind of stuff before. I mean, you know, you just think about your own hygiene. But now that COVID has made it so apparent, you're really starting to think so much more about contact tracing. I mean, I'm thinking that in terms of the common cold now. Yeah. Um, it's just so weird. I never really thought like, oh, my friend is sick. I was thinking, oh, she's not going to want to come and hang out because she doesn't feel good. I wasn't thinking of all the stuff she could touch that could then potentially transfer her common cold to so many other people. But with COVID, you're, you're, that's like ramped up. And so now we have this such more of an idea of, of, you know, surface surfaces and, and germs and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So I think, and, and, and this was kind of um, a reflection for us as well, because as a, as a, as a hygiene and health solutions provider, we, we, we're very good at giving people advice. So uh, if you talk about like the food industry or the hospitality industry, et cetera, where it's kind of like a basic expectation of us as consumers that they're practicing good hand hygiene and, and, and um, the cleaning uh, touch points, et cetera. But then with the pandemic, it's forced us to look at our own facilities almost in the same way as, as and, and kind of, uh, it kind of raises the, the expectations um, and the need for that kind of, it's almost like that food level kind of hygiene that we now kind of need to practice within our own operation uh, facilities. Um, and as I say, it's not, it's not that it, we didn't have the information because we do, this is, this is what we do, but, the, but it's kind of taking that information and applying it in areas where we didn't, we didn't think we needed to in the past. Obviously we do now. Right. I, it's funny you mentioned the food thing because that's exactly what I was thinking that before you, these, you're taking these practices that you would normally see in, yeah, in the food industry and bringing it into every industry. Exactly. Exactly. And, and we've all had to learn quite fast um, how to apply these new, these new standards. Mm -hmm. And also, um, it's, it's kind of like an educational journey as well, because it's important to explain to people the difference between, the, there's a difference between cleaning a surface and disinfecting a surface. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if you, you know, there's, there's certain products that are good for cleaning, but that they won't disinfect. Uh, so it's important that people understand that we need to use, um, you know, something with a, with a high alcohol content above 70%, like an isopropanol or something like that. Um, if you want to, if you want to disinfect the surface and remove germs. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had, to, we've had to educate uh, a lot of our own people um, within the operations on, on that kind of thing. Right. Well, 
so that and and all these other things that we've mentioned, is there any other interesting themes uh, in regards to hygiene in the supply chain specifically that maybe people might not think of or might not know? Uh, yeah, I think what's important, and again, we, we know this through through our, our talk brand, but the, I think what's important for people to understand is you, you can tell people uh, to to keep on top of the hand hygiene and, and, and practice uh, practice hand hygiene. But what you need to think about is the placement of the of the of the stations that actually support that good practice. You know, so if you can tell people to, to practice hand hygiene, but then if they have to go and walk a long distance to wash their hands to then come back again, uh, it makes it it makes it less uh, practical. So I think um, Placement matters basically. So this this is this is my point. Uh, and and if and if you if you place the products, if you, you place the the cleaning stations in the right place, then then it drives it drives a good behaviour. And then, as I said, um, the other theme is is really just making sure people understand the difference between cleaning and disinfecting. Right. So you mentioned torque. Can you um, just give us like a little bit of an overview about torque? Yeah, so talk is um, it's basically talk supplies. Uh, it, it's is a hygiene and health solution um, that we that we provide, and it's not only about providing uh, products um, to customers. It's also about uh, giving them advice. Um, so when I talk about uh, placement of of um, cleaning stations, for example. Um, on, on the Talk USA website, for example, there's there's lots of information for small businesses and big businesses alike to to go and access. Um, so it's not just about um, advising them which products to use; it's how to use those products. So we we put a lot of emphasis on on uh, on that like coaching and and, and and educational side of, um, of of the hygiene business. Yeah, I know that you've recently released the site safety guide and all those um, yeah. Know, informative. Yeah, that's a good point. So we we within within our uh, operation, we we obviously uh, we've got we've got operations globally, and we work we were quite um, badly affected uh, in Italy in the in the beginning. So when so Italy was really the first country outside. Uh, outside China to start to see a big impact right and as a company we were we were able to take uh, that kind of experience that was going on in Italy and quickly create these um, these manufacturing uh, best practices for, for hygiene social distancing and PPE etc and uh, for example in the USA we, we were we were already applying a lot of these mitigations before the CDC was advising businesses to do it because we, we were basically learning from our from our Italian partners and, and kind of going global with these with these uh, recommendations and once we kind of once we kind of felt we were in a good place within our own operation then we then we, we obviously saw uh, an opportunity to, to help other businesses so um, and then if and then if I reflect on, for example, a s small businesses like a cafe or a, or, a, or a restaurant or a bar or something like that, they don't have the resources that we have, uh, but they have the same problem um, in terms of how do they how do they take hygiene to the next level uh, and try and keep the business safe and operational during this period. So what um, what the talk team have done is then taken the best practices that we that we 
that we use in our in our own facilities, and they've put together a really good package um, that anybody can anybody can uh, look into and basically get the kind of advice that we've we've been talking about here, but in more detail. So, what kind of products should those small businesses be looking be looking at using, and and then how to use them in in, a, in an effective way? And I think that's what the the talk team have done quite well. And the, the intent is to help other businesses kind of um, the benefit from the from the knowledge and the and the expertise that we've got yeah we're we're in this war against the virus I guess you could say and our biggest artillery is information it's 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 kind of what I said at the at the outset it's the knowledge and the tools so the so the first thing is to understand what works and, and um, you know, science-based, to try and keep it science-based, obviously. And, and so if we give people the right knowledge, um, focus on the basics, and then, and then we have to support them with the right tools, and that this is, this is where the, the, the different uh, disinfectant products come in and, and uh, disposable um, towels, because that's key in a way. Because in, in the, as a product, you, you want to be cleaning surfaces with, with the right level of uh, disinfectant. So as I said, like a 70% alcohol content. And you want to be using something that's uh, disposable, disposable towel. Otherwise, you're potentially spreading things around. So mm. it's that kind of um, it's that kind of tack that we take. Give people the right knowledge and then, and then provide them with the tools to implement. So... You know, we're talking about companies and, and giving them the knowledge. I mean, we're obviously very supply chain focused here at SDC Exec. Um, so I'm, I, it's something I think about with so many, in the supply chain, you have so many different companies interacting with each other. You know, you're passing goods off from one company to yeah. another. What yeah. precautions can be taken with all these different companies having their own set of guidelines? Yeah, it's a good point because I think, as a supply chain, we, we need to keep that um, that connection moving, if you like, from from receiving to processing to to then to then the logistics of the of the of the products we produce. Uh, but we need to find a safe way to do it. Um, and I think the, the the other the other part to that is also is is dealing with um, visitors or contractors etc so um, people that don't normally work in the mill accessing the mill for different reasons whether it's bringing uh, raw materials in or whether it's whether it's providing uh, providing a service of some kind and and what we what we what we try and do is make sure so in the first instance make sure we've got the right processes in place internally uh, then, then after that, we, we need to communicate with our suppliers and our customers to make sure, especially if they're coming uh, into into a mill operation for some reason. So, like I say, if it's delivering a service or delivering a, a raw material, they need to understand our expectations and our processes. So, we need to maintain that social distance. Um, if there's any documentation that's changing hands, uh, we need to we need to be wearing gloves. We need to be aware that the virus um, can be transmitted um, through materials as well as as well as through the air. So, so we're asking people to mask up when they arrive. Um, we've we've installed, you know, like like everywhere you've seen in supermarkets and so on. We've got perspex protection that, that didn't exist before. Um, we're asking people to wear gloves when they're exchanging documents and things like that. Um, 
and then and, and the other aspect is especially when you've got logistics um, um, people coming on site sometimes they need access to um, uh, restroom facilities for example and things like that um, so we've, we've kind of installed extra uh, restroom facilities so that so that people can access those facilities but they're not accessing the same facilities as our employees we we, we have to try and maintain these uh, bubbles if you like to protect people in case we have a positive case because then if you mm-hmm. if you don't maintain those bubbles and those and those areas of, of, of separation when, when you have an incident then when you contact trace it starts to affect lots of people so we, we kind of try and manage almost with the expectation that anybody that enters the site could have COVID, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So then, uh, and then if you, if you take that approach and work backwards from it, um, you, you kind of, you, you realize that you need to put all these, all these uh, extra measures in place. Right. The bathroom thing is such a, a different concept, not, not a different concept, but it's, you don't, you're not seeing that everywhere, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah, so, and, and this was a particular challenge, for example, if we bring in um, extra labor on site for, for some maintenance activity, you can imagine where we might bring some extra contractors in who, who, who could potentially have been working in a different factory last week or, or the week before, for example. And so what we need to do is we need to provide those guys with the facilities they need for hand washing and, um, and bathroom facilities, etc. But kind of um, keep them in their own bubble, if you like. So, so it forces you to think about uh, bringing in extra, um, whether it's uh, mobile bathrooms or, or, or actually segregating and saying, you know, this, this particular bathroom is yours for the week and, and then none of our employees will use it. They'll use, they'll use a different one. Wow, um, yeah. So it forces you to think about things like that uh, a little bit different. So with all these extra precautions and, and the extra need for hygiene, how does this change the way employees work in the supply chain? Like, how is it affecting their jobs? Well, there is some impact, um, as you've, you've probably seen in the news. You know, some, um, if you look at the, the hotel, restaurant industry, that's in some cases almost shut down. You've got a lot less people moving through transport hubs and so on. Um, but then you see increased demand for wiping products and things like that in other areas. So um, there's a lot more um, objects and surface cleaning going on elsewhere that, that wasn't happening before. So we're kind of seeing fluctuations um, in that respect. Um, so we're seeing less demand, for example, maybe from, from uh, hotels and um, uh, airports, for example. But then we see more demand in, in um in medical areas and then in, 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 in consumer and the consumer side of the business. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, obviously these hygiene situations or, and protocols have been in place since the beginning of the pandemic. But now that we're having this second wave and numbers are skyrocketing, skyrocketing all throughout the U S again, how does this change things? It's, it, it's a, it's a good question. So I, I'm, I'm regularly uh, in touch with the manufacturing facilities and this question comes up quite a lot from them as well. So what we're seeing is um, we're seeing very uh, high cases of community spread. Um, but that doesn't really change anything in, in 
in the factories uh, because if what we need to do is focus on the basics. And I think the point is, um, as I said earlier, if you assume that anybody could be uh, potentially carrying COVID and you put the right steps in place, then uh, then it doesn't really change anything if the if the community uh, cases start to increase. I think what what we what we need to focus on then is is continuing with the basics, but then be prepared for the impacts. So. Um, it's inevitable when we start to see the community spread increasing that we're going to start to see employees test positive. Um, so what we, what we've tried to do is, um, create these social bubbles, if you like, within the mill. Um, and it's, and as the cases increase, it does force you to go back and just review whether you've done enough and make sure that we, that we are isolating people with protecting the employees from each other, from, from, uh, from spread unnecessary spread for, from interaction with contractors or management or etc or visitors and so on so it's forced us to really pull back on on that interaction um, and then be prepared for the positive cases so make sure that we've got um, staffing plans for example that deal with that, that uh, deal with the consequences of, of maybe one or two people being out um, on a particular shift, um, and 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 that's an interesting uh, issue that we that we've that we've addressed um, on a few occasions. Where, if if you have a minimum staffing level for a particular shift of, of maybe ten people, and 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 you've only got eight, for example, you have a you have a short term choice to make. You can either shut down that asset for for that shift and do something different, or you can bring a couple of people in on overtime potentially. The risk with bringing people in on overtime is you're starting to break down those social those social bubbles, if you like, and you're starting to mix people. Um, right. so I think it's important for 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 employers to be aware of that risk um, when they when they're making those when they're making those decisions. And sometimes it, it's actually safer to just take take the short term hits, if you like, and, and shut down for the eight hour shift rather than risk. Uh, people mixing now across shifts, which which is which is going to make the problem much bigger. Right. Well, it's definitely a tough concept or a tough time. Yeah. But and yeah. I'm sure, it'll keep changing, and new things will be found. But it, it's really interesting to get to hear from you know your side of things because you you wonder about all that stuff, but you're not really sure how it all how it all works. So thank you so much for coming on and you know diving in w with that um, with me. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And thank you so much um, for our guests to come for coming on the show and tune in every Tuesday for our episodes of link by food logistics and supply and demand chain executives. And do not forget to hit subscribe on the Spotify, Apple and Google playlist apps. So you never miss an episode. <laughs> <laughs>